John 4, 22. Jesus says this, ye, and he's speaking to a Samaritan woman. He says, ye know, sorry, ye worship, you know not what? You don't know what you worship. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. Did you notice that the Father seeks a certain kind of people to worship them in spirit and truth. Verse 24, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, if you're tired of living alone, by yourself, even though surrounded by people, you may be married and have children and have a big family. You may work in a large office. If you're tired of our, of, as, you're, as a Christian, if you're tired of just feeling like you're alone, if you're tired of doing everything in your own strength, wearing out constantly, griping and living a frustrated life, if Christianity is not really helping you cope with all of life, and all that it throws at you, then this message from God's Word will help you. You see, Christmas is all about God's presence with the believer that we have neglected so much. We've read, and just for time, I'm just going to speak, uh, uh, I'll get you to go to some scriptures, but some of these, remember, we've gone through two previous messages in Matthew chapter 1 where uh, Joseph is told, you'll call the baby Jesus but you'll also call him what name? What, would, what name shall he be called? Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And that is probably, that is a, a, an amazing, not just name, but reality. And the truth is, that name proves God wants to be with us. All right? And I want to go to heaven. All right? I want to be with God. But I never imagined as an unsaved kid that God wanted to be with me. Now, the truth is, there are too many people listening to my voice and who do not spend much, if any, time in God's presence. You may pray, you come to church, but if you don't have an, a regular audience with the lover of your soul, I'd like to change that today. And I want to get you to put into practice experiencing the presence of God. James 4.8, would you remember this verse? Draw nigh to God, and what's the last half say? And he will draw nigh to you. Say it with me again. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh unto you. It's an awesome, awesome fact. But let me show you a more, see, this, this concept of drawing nigh, drawing nigh. We, we, we don't think of it as a constant thing. Go to First Chronicles. First Chronicles. First, second Samuel, first and second Kings, and then first and second Chronicles. First Chronicles 1611. You ought to remember that place. <laughs> first Chronicles 1611. There's a wonderful word here that we need. First Chronicles 1611. I think, Brother Eric, when I was newly saved, I think I thought of Christianity as something that needed to be done all the time. Not just something I did on a Sunday, because I wanted to live at church. I wanted to live with the pastor. <laughs> I I couldn't get over how this was this was my new life. So First Chronicles 16:11 says this: Seek the Lord in his strength. Stop there for a second and realize there's so many times where we do. We say, Lord, I need your help. I need your strength. I need your wisdom. Good. Seek the Lord in his strength, but seek his 
face continually. Our face is the is the reality, is the is the Bible word for seek his presence. Seek, look, uh, we were talking to our, our many of our kids and grandkids via FaceTime yesterday. It was wonderful, but it would a whole lot better if I had seen them face to face. And I want and I seek the presence of the Lord, and I need to do it, and you need to do it continually. So if you will put that into your to your computer brain and put it back and it says, I need whatever pastor is saying this morning, I need to do whatever he says continually, not just spotty, not just on occasion, but I need to put this into practice because I want to teach you about practicing the presence of God. First of all, uh, Emmanuel, we, we have reviewed this, Matthew 18, you don't have to go there, but Matthew 18, 20, it's on our fellowship hub next door. It says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of you. So this is Emmanuel, and the presence of God is promised to all believers. Jesus says, I, I'm there. Colossians 1.27, go to the right. Find Colossians 1.27. Colossians 1.27. Colossians 1.27 says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Which is what? What's the glory of the mystery that Paul is explaining and revealing? He says, Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So, the promise... It's only to believers. But if you would believe, if you would repent and believe the gospel, Christ would be in you. And there's a dozen more promises in the Bible that prove that we're not alone anymore. Whether, whether you are in a hospital bed alone, whether you're in your house alone, whether you don't have a job, it doesn't matter. As a Christian, Jesus says you are not alone anymore and you don't have to do anything in your own strength anymore. Now you can try. You can do all kinds of, of, of physical efforts, but if you try to consistently do right, you'll run out of steam and you'll run out of, of strength. And you don't have to do it without God's help anymore because he is with you. He dwells within you and he stays with you forever. The second thing I want to say about Emmanuel is it is real. It's not mystical, but it is real. Back to John, the Gospel of John. I'm sorry, I said John. First John. 1st John, to the right, 1st John chapter 1. First John chapter 1 and verse 1, again, written by the same John who wrote the Gospel of John, he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and look at these next words, and our hands have handle of the word of God. Is he talking of the word of life? Is he talking about the Bible? No, he's talking about the author of the Bible. They're so inseparable. The living word and the written word are without, you can't separate them. But John is not talking about the Bible. He's talking about the word of life. And then he says, verse two, the life was manifested. We saw that life right in front of us. We've seen it and we can bear witness. We can testify and show unto you that eternal life that he was, which was with the Father and was manifested on us. But verse 3 gets better. 
that which we have seen and heard. Now, he's saying it was awesome. I handled the Son of God. I touched, I held, I leaned upon the, the, the living Word of God. Verse 3, well, that which we have seen and heard, we declare unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. What's fellowship? Fellowship is like what Christmas is supposed to be, where you sit and you talk and you laugh and you listen and, and you hear the laughter and you enjoy just being in the presence of one another. And this is, John says, we sat for three and a half years with God in the flesh. And he says, I want you to do the same, even though he's not physically here. So it is real. Uh, I got thought of some examples. Joseph, and, and I'll, I'll quote these real quick here. Joseph experienced the presence of God when he was uh, abandoned as a slave in Egypt. When Joseph was in Egypt, you would expect he felt very alone. Amen? You would expect that his brothers hated him. His father doesn't even know he's alive. And he is... I guess he's somewhere around three, four hundred miles away from home. Never, never going to be able to come home. Nobody's going looking for him. And it says this in Genesis 39. The Lord was with Joseph. And he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. And that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Well, that lasted for a little while until the master's wife got angry and accused him of wanting to uh, uh, commit adultery with her. And so he's thrown into prison, but it says this, but the Lord was still with Joseph. Now I want you to understand, the promise of the presence of God is real. It was real for Joseph, but it was real. Now I need you to go to Daniel. Daniel chapter 3. So if the lights go out, don't scream, okay? <laughs> because the power is going off here very soon. Daniel chapter 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in trouble. They are not doing what Nephet says. No, not true. Uh, they are not doing what Babylon, the, uh, the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, asked them to do, to bow and to worship his image. And so they are now getting in trouble and they are deciding, even though we may be alone, even though we're, there are a lot of other Jews out there who don't want to stand for right and don't want to do right, we'll take whatever comes. And so they bind them up and they throw them into the fiery furnace. Look at chapter 3, verse 20. Daniel 3, 20. He, Nebuchadnezzar, commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. That should have been the end. Should have been a full stop. Nothing are. They're gone. Dead. Burned up. Fried toast. Verse 22. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Oh, should have been awful. But verse 24, then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished. We'd say astonished. He was surprised. And he rose up in haste, and he spake, and he said unto his counselors, Wait a minute! Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. Verse 25. 
And he answered and said, wait a minute, lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Who was with them? Jesus. Jesus. Isn't that awesome? The Son of God went with them into that fiery furnace and protected them. My, my, my point is this. The presence of Jesus Christ in the life of the believer is real if we start to believe it. If we're going to practice this, we got to start believing it. He promised it. It is real. There was another time. Uh, there's, there's probably too many to count, but the Apostle Paul is uh, being chased and hunted by some killers who want to kill him for switching religion and becoming a Christian. And he's, he's, he's sort of surrounded by soldiers. And um, uh, in Acts 23, it says this, verse 11, in the night, you don't have to go there, but let me just quote, in the night following, while he's sitting there, he's, 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 you know, he's under threat of death. The night following, the Lord stood by him and said, be of good cheer, Paul. For as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. So Paul got to experience the presence of Jesus. In 2 Timothy 4, 17, he, he recounts that. And he says, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. So Paul says, I experienced the presence of the Lord. Jadrach, Meshach, and Abednego experienced a fourth man in the fire with them. Joseph, as he went around, was never alone. Uh, Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. Revelation 3 and verse 20. It is an open invitation. Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, what does he say? I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. You know, we're invited to come to Jesus. Jesus says, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden. But then Jesus says, can I come into you? That's a kind of relationship that God wants. Now, these scriptures mean nothing if they don't mean what Jesus says they are, to be that he wants to be with us. Go to Acts 17. I have to show you these fundamental truths before I, I get into what we need to do to make sure it is a constant in our life. Acts 17, 24. Uh, as, I as I said a couple of weeks ago, how, how often do we feel like he's not there? How often do we feel like he's a million miles away? Well, look at what the Bible says. Again, I'm a Bible believer, not a feeling believer. I do like feelings. <laughs> I, I, emotions are a good thing when they're, when they're under control. But here, I want you to see there are some times when you have to overrule your feelings by faith. And that's what Acts 17 is going to show us. Verse 24. The Apostle Paul is preaching to a crowd of super intelligent, science, intelligent scientists and philosophers. And he's trying to tell them how to find the God they do not know. And he says in verse 24, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations, 
for to dwell on all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation that they should seek the Lord. He, he created an environment. You say, well, some people grew up in India. Some people grew up in Central Africa. Some people grew up in, 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 in Tala, in Dublin. Wherever you're born, it says he's, uh, um, in verse 26, we all have the same blood. And he's determined where we live, what we put up with, even the bounds of our habitation. We're not even going to leave our, our country. But verse 27, that they should seek the Lord there. If happily they might find, feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. There's our power. So, that's cool, isn't it? All right. Look up here. Real quick, let me stay on track here. Though he be not far from any of us. And the truth is, he is not far from anyone. There is the, the, the Christmas proves us Emmanuel, God with us, is not so far away. Thank you. Not sure if it will help me or not. <laughs> anyway, I can see though. Thank you very much though. Okay. Um, let me move on here. There's a perfect illustration, okay? The problem with sensing the, the presence of God in our lives so many times is that we don't want to notice him. We don't want to notice him. It would be like sitting down at a coffee shop and then some very important person, maybe, maybe uh, uh, you know, a movie star or a music star or a sports star comes into that coffee shop and sits down right next to you. And instead of you actually even admit, you know, uh, acknowledging their presence, you take their presence for granted. You just keep doing whatever you're doing when they came in, probably looking on your phone. And when they do speak to you, you really don't listen to them. And then after a while, you get up and you go to another table because you don't want to be bothered. You say, what's that illustration? Well, the illustration is, that would be rude, wouldn't it? That'd be rude. If you sat down next to me in a coffee shop and I'm kind of like, <clears throat> and I'm kind of busy and you're bothering me and I'd get up and I would leave that table and go sit somewhere else, that would be rude, wouldn't it? Well, that's exactly how most of us treat the presence of God. Let that sink in for a minute. Because we take him for granted every second of every day. We just expect him to be there and do what we want. We really don't listen to anything he says to us because we're just kind of too busy. If, if, if we do read in the Bible, it's not like, well, something that I, that, that I need. No, it's like, yeah, big deal. And we get away, we walk away from the preaching that saves, the preaching and the teaching that gives us sanity. We walk away from it because we really don't want to be bothered. Matthew 15, 8. Jesus said, this people draweth unto me with their lips. But where was their heart? Far from me. So what do you do to find the presence of God and stay in it? Jeremiah 29, 13. You should be able to see a little bit. Jeremiah 29, 13. I'll show you a few things, and I tried to make them all Ds. All right? So most of them are start with D, so you might remember a few of them. Jeremiah 29, 13. I'd be glad to share this. Does somebody want this little light here? So they can see. Do you girls? Does anybody say you have a light? No? 
Would you guys like it? Or are you guys a perfect sight? No? All right. Jeremiah 29, 13. Look at your Bible. The first thing you've got to do, you say, what do I, why do I have to do this? Because he's there, but you don't really take advantage of the presence. He's kind of like, look, let me, be, let me carry my illustration a little bit more. If I don't want to be bothered by somebody, they may be very important or they may not be. But if I don't want to be bothered by them, then there's nothing I can do to convince you to make the presence of God important to you. But if you want the presence of God, it needs to be something you're desperate for. Not that you just accept. I'll show you what I mean. Jeremiah 29, 13. And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your what? All right, there is a desperation in that verse that we need if we're going to enjoy the presence of God. It took 82 years before Moses found out how much he needed the presence of God. I can't take you there, but Exodus chapter 33, Moses is, the, is at the end of his rope. He is, he's two years trying to lead Egypt into the promised land, and he's just going around in circles, and he, and and. Uh, the children of Israel are just driving him batty. And he says, Lord, I give up. I can't do this. And the Lord says, my presence will go with you. And Moses says, it better. <laughs> because if your presence doesn't go with us, then I'm stopping right here. 82 years old, he decides, I must have his presence. Don't wait that long before you decide that. So you've got to desperately seek to know what it means to be filled with the Spirit before you start to learn it. I cannot teach you, all right, um, step one, do this and you'll be filled with the Spirit. Step two, no, no, no. You have to want it because it's not going to be an easy type of life to live in the Spirit. So read everything you can on how to be filled with the Spirit and how to walk in it. Do You need to decide to do whatever it takes to be full of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, don't read every book on the filling of the Spirit because a lot of books talk about going to conferences. And a lot of books talk about, you know, internal meditation and all this stuff. No, no, no. If you're going to find God, if you're going to fellowship with Him, you will find Him here. Okay? You'll find Him in the pages of this book. So I read this. I always love this saying. The Bible is the only book where the author is present with you as you read it. So you'll find him as you read this Bible. Second thing, so desperation is the first thing. If you're not desperate, if this doesn't interest you, go ahead and pull your phone out and, and bye-bye. <laughs> but if you are desperate to know what Moses found and what Paul experienced and what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego experienced, if you want to have that, let me take it to step two. Number two, descend. Desperation and descend. What does descend mean? It means you and I are in control of our lives. We're on the throne of our life. And if you're going to know the presence of God, he is not in the presence of pride. He's not in the presence of self-sufficiency. He's not in the presence of somebody who thinks they can handle life. You've got to get up and step down and get out of the way and say, I'm not important. He is. And when he becomes the focus of your life and you step back, everything, he will take that place in your heart. He will, it's just his, he is Lord. And if you just step back, he will take that place. If you will yield to him, 
if you will back down, it's kind of like you get into an argument. I know you don't, you never have been into an argument. I know, it's been a long time since you've been in an argument, right? Don't, don't answer me. Anyway, <laughs> and you're in an argument and the Holy Spirit says, you better shut up. Time to back down. I'm not backing down. <laughs> that's, and that's a mirror of between you and God and the Holy Spirit comes in and says, Craig, step down, back down, shut up and let me be in charge. And when you descend, he takes over and he makes things right. Um, Psalm 145 verse 18 says this, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and he saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. That's a little s, the contrite means a small, humble attitude. So the Lord is nigh. <laughs> I want him close to me. I want him. I want him in my presence. I want to know he's there. He's not going to be sensed unless I have humbled myself. Isaiah 57, 15 says, For thus saith the, Lord, the high and lofty one that inhabiteth in eternity, whose name is holy. This is what he says. I dwell in the high and the holy place, heaven, and I dwell with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. That's where I dwell, God says. I says, I have two addresses. <laughs> yes, I live in heaven, but I dwell with those who have a humble spirit. So descend. Third, delete. That's a modern word, but delete. How many of you have a key on your computer that has deleted? Oh, very few people have computers these days, but it's a, it's a very powerful key. You can delete things. If you didn't have the undo, you'd be crying. But delete 2 Corinthians now. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. In verse, uh, chapter 10 and verse 5. I actually, I looked at, can I be honest with you? I looked at a couple of different lives. I looked at Moses' life in, in Exodus chapter 33, and it's rich in how he discovered his need for the presence. But these scriptures here open up, all right, what, what I got to do to get myself so that the Lord is welcome in my presence, okay? So let me show you. Delete, 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says this. Casting down. We normally think of idols being need to be cast away and cast down. But it says what? Imaginations. And every high thing, we'd say proud thing, that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Delete. Repent of everything blocking the closeness that you seek with God. Tear down any walls between you and God. Remember the illustration I gave with uh, uh, first in the morning, I did it with uh, Tony and then uh, with Gavin. Um, uh, there, the illustration where there was those blocks of, 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 uh, of a wall that was between us. And what did I have to do if I wanted to get right with God? Do you remember? How, how did I get rid of those sins that had become a wall between me and God? The Bible says your sins and iniquities have separated you from God. Okay, so how do I deal with that? Well, I had to face each one of them, if you remember, and confess each one of them. See, we're too quick to say, well, Lord, if I've offended you, I'm sorry. What a way to talk. I mean, if you ever use those words again, where you say, uh, sweetheart, if I offended you, I'm sorry. Don't ever say that. You know you offended her. Find out what you did. Find out what you said. And then apologize for that. And if there is a sin, 
between you and God or sins, whatever is there and you are aware of it, confess that right then and then dump it and say, Lord, I don't want it between me and you anymore. Put down, delete anything that is, is distracting you from his presence, like bitterness. We talked about bitterness. I mean, the things that we have become so used to and cuss secret hatred. We talked about things that we're used to, comfortable with, secret sins. Get rid of all of that, pull it all down. And I guarantee you, listen, if you will, if you will start to take those walls brick by brick and just dump them behind your back and say, Lord, I'm sorry for this. It humbles you. It, it embarrasses the devil because whenever you bring a sin to light, God wins. If you keep it hidden in the darkness, the devil wins. So when you bring that into light and confess it and forsake it, give it a little bit of time, just a little bit of time, and a hunger for God will return. I'll make a promise to you that if you will decide to get right and will to deal with whatever is just clogged up in your life, how many of you would leave a clogged sink in your kitchen clogged? How long? How, how many of you would leave it clogged? I don't think you would, would you? Okay? Say, oh, I'll leave it there for a couple of days. Hopefully it'll go away. Listen, it doesn't because we keep putting more and more junk in. You've got to clear the pipe and you've got to clear your line of communication with the Holy Spirit. Next, distance. Go to 2 Corinthians still, chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16. 2 Corinthians 6, 16, Des desperation or desperate, descend, delete, now distance. Why is this important? Look at verse 16. What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? I mean, there's, there's no reason why an idol, there's no way to put an idol in the temple of God. What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? I gotta find my place here, verse 16. For ye are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will, look at this, here's the presence of God. He promises, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Verse 17, wherefore, we'd say, therefore, come out from among them and be ye separate. Put some distance, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing anymore, and I will receive you. Have you noticed there is so much emphasis on social distancing. Have you, have you noticed that? And we're social distancing from an invisible disease, right? And yet there's no emphasis on separating from sin. See, this is a Bible-leaving church, so we, yeah, there, are, there are scientists and doctors and stuff who talk about infectious diseases and that's all fine, but let me tell you, my job is to get you to socially separate yourself from sin, amen. You need to put some serious distance between you and the world's culture if there is very little, if not no, passion for the presence of God. Why don't you fast from food for a day or two or three? Say, I'll die. No, you won't die. Okay? This is not a hunger strike where you're going for 40, 50 days, okay? But if you decided, I'm not going to eat for the next 24 hours, and I mean 24 hours, not 22 or 21, <laughs> 24 hours or 36 or 48 hours or 72 hours, if you would separate yourself from 
just what you what, what, what you live off of so that you can believe Matthew 4.4. 4. What does Matthew 4.4 4 says? Man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Um, fast from technology. Now, we almost all have smartphones. They're rather dumb, but we have these smartphones. But if you will switch them off, do not use Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or TikTok. Don't, don't, don't watch the news. Go for a week without any technological communication other than face-to-face -face or just straight phone call. If you just stopped technology for a week, do you know what happens when we have the kids for, for youth camp? Do you know what happens? We get them on Monday. And all these teens are the devil incarnate. Okay? They are as worldly, and some of them are just as lost as the chair you're sitting in. We're trying to get them to sing, and they're like this. They're just as rigid and cold as ice. They're, that's Monday night. And then Tuesday and Tuesday night, there's a little bit of a wiggle. And then Wednesday, all of a sudden, now we've taken their phones from them. <gasps> How horrible. And all of a sudden, we're, we've got them just on simple food, preaching, singing, fellowship, running around, activities, climbing mountains. And by Thursday, they're human again. And by Thursday night, the Spirit of God begins to move. Why is that? Is it because of my great preaching? Is it because of John's great preaching? Is it because of, of the, the, oh, it must be the holy hall? It's because we took their computers and their phones and their access to the world away so that they could get sensitive to the presence of the Holy Spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? And what's good for the goose, but does it finish? Is good for us ganders. It's good for us adults. It's good for us now. We don't have to wait till youth camp for us to have a, a time where we say, I need to put some distance between what is clogging me up. Maybe your friends. Maybe your coworkers. Maybe just somebody who just keeps pulling you down. You need to say, listen, I'll talk to you in a week. <laughs> I want to get my heart right. Distance. Delight. Psalm 37. Psalm 37. Psalm 37, verse 4. <clears throat> Psalm 37, verse 4. Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord. What does that word delight imply? It doesn't mean just, yay. <laughs> uh, my wife has made cheesecake. Three times now, haven't you, Anita? You know what happens when she pulls out the cheesecake? I delight in it. <laughs> I mean, wow, you pour on the fruit and then the cream, and then you eat it and then you die slowly for hours. It is so wonderful. Can we not apply that to God? Let me let me use some. Let me say tell you something. If you want the presence of God, show some emotion. Okay. If every time I'm around. Gavin, if I stand up at Gavin, I go, hey, Gavin, and Gavin goes like this, and he turns his back on me. And I say, Gavin, boy, you're a blessing, and he goes, <laughs> do you know how often I'm going to keep coming to Gavin? Not much more. <laughs> I want to be around somebody who likes to be around me, amen? And we go, we go, what does that have to do with it? God likes to be around those who want to be with him, who delight in him, who can't wait to spend time with him. So delight thyself also in the Lord. Look at the promise. 
find out where I am. Verse 4. Uh, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Isn't that awesome? So you're wondering, God, why don't you answer my prayer? Well, maybe because you're telling him what to do. Maybe it's because you're just treating him like a genie instead of like the lover of your soul. Uh, praise him. I think, now some of you don't realize it, but I want you to imagine, and I say this very respectfully, and I say it as an example, okay? Don't freak out. But when I'm in my office, and I'm reading my Bible, or when I'm, pre when I'm recording or I'm live on the radio, your pastor is alone, okay? You know what? I just raise my hands, and I just thank God for what I just learned or what I'm listening to in a hymn and the truth that I'm reminded of. I just, I praise God. And there is there's something you need to just come out of your shell and just start to praise God. Listen to Psalm 22, verse 3. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Where does God dwell? Where praise is. If you want God to feel welcome in your presence and for you to start to go, he's here. And start just finding a reason to worship and praise Him. Praise means to say something that makes Him feel big. He already is God, but when you praise Him, He says, He likes me. I'm going to go spend some time with Him. Listen to Ephesians 5, verse 18. Go there, Ephesians 5 and verse 18. Ephesians 5, 18. <clears throat> Where do most people go when they feel depressed? To the pub or to the chemist? Ephesians 5.18 says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is always excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And it goes on. Look, it doesn't finish. It says, Speaking to yourselves in songs, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. There is something wonderful about just singing to God. And, and I, listen, I, I, I don't know, I don't know what it's going to take, but you're going to have to replace your music collection at home and just get some godly, I mean, Spotify, you can, you can get it to play godly music. You just got to find it. You can buy it, download it, whatever you need to do. Put godly Christian music in your home. Verse 20, giving thanks. Oh, what's the next word? That's a hard word, isn't it? Giving thanks always for, what's the next two words? All things. <laughs> mm, unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know how to, how to delight in God? Thank Him. Just thank Him. If, if you don't have the habit, listen, I'm going to talk to you about habits. All right? If, let me give you an example. Uh, 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 Say, Tony comes and sits next to me in the coffee shop, surprises me there, and I'm on my phone. What should I do with my phone? Hmm? Put it down. I should turn it off because Tony's here, right? Amen. You're a VIP. And why would I sit there? I mean, even if he wasn't, how rude it is. Uh, I'll be with you in a little bit, you know. I'm checking Facebook, you know. Uh, put the thing down. And then... Find a reason. Start the conversation with, wow, it's good to see you. Be thankful. Do something that lets him know you're grateful he's there. 
and, and if you sit down at meal and your wife or your husband has worked for hours in preparation, you should not just dig in and find out how the turkey tastes. You should look at that woman or that guy who's worked. I guess it was uh, Eric that was uh, uh, cooking on yesterday or for the last, probably cooked for all of 45 minutes, whatever it was. But cooking all the meal and everything, stop and say, thanks, Dad. Thanks, honey. This means a lot to me that it meant that much to you to fix it for me. Be thankful and then look to God and say, thank you, God. Make it a habit where we're thankful. Verse 21, submitting yourselves. There's that yielding unto one another in the fear of God. I could talk for days. I'm not going to just, just, just keep going. i got to finish here. Get in the habit of submitting yourselves to the people around you as a servant, no longer as a victim. No longer as a victim. Instead of, oh, here comes so-and-so. They're going to ruin my life. No, serve them. Submit and serve. If you're not going to do these things, you'll never know the power and the pleasure of God's presence. Darkness. I'm going to quickly move. Darkness. Go to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 8. I'm going to quote a verse. You know the verse, but I'm going to blow your mind. 1 Kings chapter 8. Darkness. What do I need darkness for? I wonder why the lights went out today. This may just be for this message so that you never forget it. If you're going to have the presence of God, you're, you don't want to be out in the middle of the sun on the beach. Listen to what Jesus said as you're looking to 1 Kings. Listen to what Jesus said. When thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, <laughs> when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which is in which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. What is he describing? He's describing probably like a closet from um, uh, the Lion, the Witch, the Wardrobe, you know, where you know this this wardrobe there. Now they didn't have wardrobes. Not the wealthy only had wardrobes. But Jesus said to all of those. Poor, plain Christians, he said, find you a place where you can switch the lights off, where nobody can find you, and it's just you and God. You say, but it's dark in there. Right. Show you something. Go to 1 Kings 8, 12. Then spake Solomon, and he's, he's just dedicating the temple, and listen to what he says. Um, the Lord said that he would dwell where? In the thick darkness. Now, you only understood, understand that if you realize Solomon's speaking from his point of view. Is God in darkness in heaven? Yes or no? No. God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. But as far as I'm concerned, God doesn't have a form. God doesn't have a, uh, a shape. There's, there, I, I don't see that light yet. He's in the darkness. So what does that encourage me? Close my eyes. Bow my head. Pull the closet door to, and in that darkness, enjoy the presence of God. You need on the side of your bed to get early in the morning. It's still dark outside. Get on the side of your bed. The side of your bed, if you have to, if the kids are going crazy inside the house, the car is a great closet. Amen? Just don't be driving while you're doing it. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath. Yoga, which is a false form of 
sensing presence because it's demonic. But yoga teaches you to deep, to deeply breathe. Why? Because you're stressed out. And when you get into a closet, when you close your eyes, just rest there for a little while because Jesus will show up. He says, the Father that sees in secret and knows you're there will reward you openly. Exodus 20 says this, Moses said to all the people, fear not, for God has come to prove you. He's speaking from Mount Sinai. And that his fear may be before your faces, that ye sin not. And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near as he climbed unto the thick darkness where God was, up at the top of Mount Sinai. Because as far as man's concerned, they don't see the light on the top. They just see the clouds that are dividing, where God is saying, have a time where you switch the lights off and you just let me be there. Are you doing that here? This, this morning? Just let God be here, not, not technology, not anything. So stop whatever you may be doing. When you need the presence of God, stop whatever you're doing. Close your eyes, breathe deeply, don't move. <laughs> and in that stillness, go to the throne of heaven and find grace to help in time of need because he's there. Psalm 46, Psalm 46. Psalm 46 and verse 10. You know these verses. Psalm 46 and verse 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted even among the heathen who don't want me and I will be exalted in the earth. You know, this, when you quiet yourself, when you close your eyes and, and stop panicking, and I know how hard that is, okay, but you're still, you'll do it so that you can hear God's heart. So that you can hear his words. So that they become the words of eternal. Peter's watching everybody leave Jesus. Jesus says to Peter, you're going to go away too? And Peter says, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. He says, we can't get enough of what you say. The devil screams for your and my attention, doesn't he? Your friends won't leave you alone. The world is a mash of noise and sounds and bother. But God is a gentleman. He uses a still, small, quiet voice when he speaks to us. And you will never hear it. You'll never sense it. You'll never notice it unless you shut up and sit quietly for a while in prayer without words. The presence of God is not in an instant. It's when he knows he's welcome. Psalm 46.10 says, I just read it, be still and know that I am God. Psalm 4.4 says, stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. That's what we tell the kids when they're going to be still. Don't move. <laughs> Go to sleep. So yoga, hypnosis, and drugs are all poor substitute for the quiet presence of Jehovah. Show you another one, Luke 11. Luke 11. While you're going to Luke 11, remember, desperate, descend, delete some things. I mean, get them, just delete. They're not even there anymore in your life. Distance, put your distance between some things for a little while maybe. But enough so that you can start to presence, sense the presence of the Holy Spirit. Delight yourself in the Lord. Darkness, have a time where you close your eyes 
as often as you can where you just close your eyes and breathe and pray and praise God. Quiet yourself, but then this is great. Look at Luke 11. Look at verse 9. 11, 9. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Stop there for a second. He wants you to see. He's not saying ask once and then walk away. He's saying ask. Mm, no answer. All right. We'll start seeking. Can't find him. Well, let's start knocking. Pursue this. This has to become a way of life. If you want something from God, he wants you to want it. Not just expect it like from a genie. Verse uh, 10. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. Amen. There's an open invitation. He that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, that knocketh is a present tense. It knocks and knocks and knocks. It shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? Now here's my point. Ask, and then ask, and then ask again to be filled. If you want to know he's there, then ask him to just, just be real to you at that moment. It doesn't mean that you have to have an, uh, an earthquake or you have to have lightning strike across your head. Uh, it, it doesn't mean anything like that. It's just in that stillness, ask God, would you give me the filling of the Holy Spirit? You told me I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know how to get filled with the Holy Spirit, but I want to be, so please. I don't feel it, so I'm just going to keep asking till I do. And the last point, trust. If you learn to trust in the filling, like you used to trust in the fullness of anger. When you got angry... You trusted in your wit, in your rapidity of response. You trusted in your money when things were not going wrong, so you just, you trusted in something you had plenty of. Now you need to put that aside and say, I'm just going to trust in the filling of the Holy Spirit. And if I can just get to where, if I feel weak, it's because I'm not full of Him. If I feel powerless, it's because I'm not full of Him. If I feel like my prayers aren't being answered, it's not because you're maybe sinful or evil or out of, even out of the will of God. It's that you're not full of Him. Because if you'll trust in His presence, He is all. What is His name? I am. If He is, then He is all you need. Amen? If He is, then He is all you need. You and I, let me conclude this, have to practice doing these things. Again, 1 Chronicles 16, 11 says, Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face continually. So close your phone. Close your laptop. Close your doors. Close your closet. Close your eyes and spend time with the lover of your soul. Practice quieting yourself when you're used to being too busy loud and frustrated practice humbling yourself stepping down easy just to repent and say i'm sorry it's just it's not that you you want to just give in to everybody and all this that's not the point you don't want to this is not about them this is about you getting right with god and humbling yourself because god gives so much grace to the humble practice listening to him 
you may you may take this as a revelation, but if you don't really sense the presence of the Holy Spirit when you're reading the Bible, read it out loud. There's a change that happens in the tone of the Scripture when you read it out loud. Faith cometh by. Isn't that amazing? That's why God has chosen us the foolishness of preaching. Because preaching gets a man or a woman or a child to hear what God said. They don't, yes, read it with your own eyes, but hear it. And when you hear it and you're listening to him, it's like he's talking to me. I, I, I'll give you my example again. Eight weeks I went to church. When I first went, went to church, I was 17 years old. And the entire time I'm looking around at all these nice, good-looking, look-like, decent people. And I thought he was yelling at them. <laughs> I thought he was upset at them. And then on the last the Sunday, eight weeks into this thing of, oh, I'm getting comfortable here. When he preached, I said, he's talking to me. And that's where I got saved. Do you understand? And when God is able to talk to you, your life changes. I hope you realize God has been right next to you all along. Even you're unsaved, he was there knocking on your heart. Amen. He's trying to get your attention. Now that you're saved, He's still knocking on that heart. By the way, Revelation chapter 3 was written to a church that had gotten so busy that they had moved Jesus out the door. And he's knocking to get back in. <laughs> the greatest experience in life is to know and enjoy the presence of God at all times. The greatest experience is not to meet the Taoiseach or the Prime Minister or the President of any country. The greatest experience is not to win the lottery. Grace experience is whether in prison like Paul and Silas or whether in slavery like Joseph or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into a fiery furnace or Moses in the middle of a desert with two and a half million people breathing down his neck saying, we want out of here, we want to go back. The greatest experience is to know and feel and be strengthened by the presence of God. And it's open to everyone. But if you neglect this invitation, there is a high cost. This is the final thought. Proverbs chapter 1 and we're through. Proverbs chapter 1 in verse 24. <clears throat> Proverbs 124. Because I have called and ye refused. Wow. I mean, here comes Tony and he sits down and he says, Craig, come on over here. Have a cup of coffee with me. Watch it. Because I have called, God says, and yet you refused to spend time with me. Because I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded, but ye have said it not all my counsels. You sort of said, I'd rather do anything but read my Bible. And would none of my reproof, you didn't want any correction from God. God says, I also will laugh at your calamity when things go wrong in your life. When uh, I will mock when your fear cometh, when your fear cometh as desolation, your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. Now this is speaking obviously to people who are unsaved, but it applies to the Christian. We wonder, where is God? Well, God says, I'm just sitting back here having the time of my life watching you make a fool of yourself, watching you dig a very deep hole. Be time to stop digging, Christian. But he goes on. 
Verse 27, when your fear cometh as desolation, your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall find, not find me, for that they hated knowledge. They hated knowing me and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Okay, so don't neglect. Draw nigh to God and he will. All right, if that's true, what's the opposite? The further away you get away from God, the more in trouble I'm going to be, the more frustrated I'm going to be, the more defeated I'm going to live. So it's not, it's not, the, the, it's not the theology I know. It's not the, the, the abilities I have. It's the closeness with him that will make all the difference in my trouble. Father, thank you for your message. Thank you for this day, God. I pray that we don't forget any of these things. I know it's a lot to take in. God, you wrote a big book. You wrote a lot of, a lot of things because our heart is a big problem. And there's not just a one, two, three, fix it. There's some things that, that we need to, to work on. One by one, Lord, if we just, if we just started with that, that desperation. We can't flip a switch, but we can become desperate for you. You see, God, I realize that salvation is not just, it is not in what we do, and it's not in, in just a phrase or a word. It's in a person. It's God being with us. It is Emmanuel. And if God is with us, if he's truly in us, if his presence can be sensed and enjoyed and drawn from, then that's all we need. I sure hope everybody here had a blessed Christmas, Lord. But even if they didn't, your presence will be the best present. May we want it more than anything. And may we find our, our, our strength for 2021 in you. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.